0: Second Peter, now all the kids sitting in the room, two weeks ago I told you that if you were good, I would have a special prize for you. And then no one reminded me, and I forgot, so that made me kind of a liar, right? Isn't that what that makes you? I forgot, honestly. And so last week we said, if you were good, I'd give you something even better. So all the kids in the room if you were here the past two weeks, later on at the end, I'm not giving it to you now, I'm, not, I'm smarter than that. But at the end of the service, if you sit, well no, this is from before, so you could be terrible tonight. And you get this, no, I got a, I got a prize for tonight too, so this is, this is from the past two weeks. So if you were here the past two weeks, and if you lie, God knows if you're lying. I have a pack of these for every kid from t- the past two weeks, this is for them. All right, and I know there are some adults that are like, where's my candy? Russ gives you a mint every service, so <laughs> you've got your candy, or actually gives you two or three sometimes, and then, all right, kids, so that's to make up for the past, okay? Now, I'm going to go bankrupt if I give you these every week, so this is not an every week thing with that, but I do have... If you're good tonight, you can have an airhead. Or I know there's some of you I can't eat that stuff because of my teeth and things. There, John, stay over there, okay? I have a bin of M and M's right. You don't, you don't like regular ones as much. You need the all the peanut ones, right? Yeah, that's it. I thought because I saw both, and I'm like, nope. If I get the peanut ones, I'm gonna be tempting John to get in the pulpit. So, yeah. So. So I've got both of these for tonight. If you're being good, I've got my eyes watching all of you in the room. Now, if you're an adult and you need a couple M&Ms after the service, if you aren't good, you're not going to get any. Okay? I will. I'll be. I can tell you. You know, if you're sleeping on me, you're not getting any candy. Okay? So Michael, you better try to stay awake on me tonight. And and Lori, if you if you look, give me a dirty look the entire service too. You're not going to get any candy either. So, just kidding, just kidding. So, there we go. And one of these only has 60 calories in it. Now that I count my calories now, it's like, why would I weigh 60 calories on a little thing like that? But anyways, we'll leave that all there. And so that'll be good. So kids, I'm keeping an eye on you. And if you're not being good, we'll have, to, we'll have it for next week or whatever the case may be. I enjoy having the kids in the service. I think it's a great thing to have them in the service. And there's almost as many kids here as there is adults tonight. I like that. I think that's a good thing. We have, after tonight, we've only got five weeks left in the series. We started, I looked the other day, it was May 19th of 2019 is when we started this series on the books of the Bible. It's been quite a while that we've been going through it, and we're just about done. What I'm going to do is, for the summer months... I had an idea a while back. In the fall, I'm going to go to a different Bible study and things. But I thought it would be kind of neat, and all of you can participate in this. So for the summer months, so June, July, and August, for the Bible study on Wednesday nights, maybe there's a topic that you haven't heard preached on in a long time. Maybe there's a topic you have questions about. Any topic in the Word of God, and if you throw one at me that's like way out there and, you know, and you want to know what the toenail on that statue for Daniel was, I actually could explain that one to you a little bit. But so in the next couple weeks, if you text me or write it down, give it to me, I'm going to take 12 thoughts during the summer, and there's probably two Wednesdays I won't be here, so 10 Wednesdays, that I will go through your questions. If there's a doctrine in the Bible you'd like to understand better, and you're going to be throwing it at me, so I'm going to be learning as I go through it. And we'll do it together on those Wednesday nights just for the summer. And then we'll get into a new series comes, come September. So be ready for that. That will be good. Second Peter chapter number 1. Second Peter chapter number 1. And uh, one last announcement I forgot a few minutes ago. The kids' choir, the kids choir is going to continue on 5 p.m. Sunday, well, 5.15, let's just say 5.20 on Sunday night's. And uh, when I get done practicing for Sundays, I'm going to go have fun with the kids, and we're going to learn some songs together. So if any other kids want to join or the ones want to stay, or you're like, I don't want my kids around you, Pastor, then don't have them come. And uh, I do have duct tape, and I can tie them to the ceiling or do whatever I need to do. That's duct tape is the best thing to control children. And I'm just kidding when I say that. Someone's going to quote me on that. Second Peter chapter number 1. Look down with me at verse number 12. Does anyone need a handout for the sermon tonight? Everyone good? All right, let's go. Second Peter chapter 1, verse number 12. Wherefore, I would not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance knowing that shortly I must put off this, my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Um, Peter's at the end of his life. Do you remember when uh, after Jesus rose from the dead, and he said, hey, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, Lord, I love you, and we go through that there. The Lord let him know he was not going to die a very peaceful death. And we see him talking about it right here. But he said, till that time, till it gets to that point where I'm no longer here in this tabernacle, I'm going to do my best to put some things in remembrance to give you. And so tonight, for a little bit of time, we're going to look at Peter's final thoughts, the final things that God gave Peter, that he penned these words, and we're going to apply them tonight and see what we can give. Father, pray you bless the time that we have tonight, pray that you would work it us tonight i pray that you just bless the time that we have we love you we need you bless people and i pray that as we study this passage tonight that you just do a work in each of our lives and each of our hearts in jesus name i pray amen peter knows his time's about up in fact we know that peter died a few years after this time well not, maybe not even a few years could have been a few months But Peter was martyred during the reign of Nero. Nero committed suicide in 68 AD. So the book had to be written before then. And he had to have died before Nero died as well. So somewhere between 60 and 66 AD is when this happened. And so as we look here tonight, it's about 30 years after Jesus rose from the dead that these things took place in Peter's life. Think with me, it had been 30 years since Jesus had died, 30 years since he broke his vow to the Lord, I would never deny you. 30 years after he denied the Lord three times, 30 years after he cursed God and claimed not to know him, 30 years after he chose to go back to his old life, and all that time, what do we see the end for Peter? We see a man who is still serving God, still preaching the gospel, still helping others. I would say for any of us tonight as we look at this passage of scripture, this is how we would want our lives to be lived. You say, well, no, I wouldn't want to deny the Lord. Let's be real tonight. Every one of us is going to do something that's not right, okay? Every one of us. We're not going to have a perfect life. But a just man falls seven times and he gets up again. Isn't that what the scripture says? And so the fact that Peter had his stumbles but got back up and served God and we see him at the end of his life still serving God says quite a bit for us. A man who had fallen uses his final words to help us and help others so that we won't do the same thing he did. Look at verse number 10. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. Peter says, don't be like me. In fact, make sure of some things so you don't have to go down that road that I did, so that you don't have to know what it was like to deny the very one you said you would never deny. To see all those things. To go back fishing. Hey, if you do these things and give diligence to make your calling and election sure, if you do those things, you shall never fall. Man, we talk about all the failings of Peter, but how about all the great things Peter did? He's the only guy who ever walked on water besides Jesus. And I know we look, well, if he would have had faith, he never, you would have never gotten off the boat. I never would have gotten off the boat. And there were 11 others in the boat that didn't get off the boat. One man stepped out by faith and walked on water. He's the only man who saw every miracle that Jesus did. Study the Gospels. He's the only one that saw every miracle and was a part of every miracle that Jesus did. He's one of the few that were with him in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's one of the few who was was with the Lord all three of those years of his ministry. His final words, his final thoughts, three short chapters that leave you with a life-changing truth if you'll get a hold of what this book has to say. Number one tonight, we see a final challenge. The final challenge is this, keep the right focus. Hey, if you're going to go forward in the Christian life, his final challenge, Peter's final words, looking back on his life, the failures, the successes, his final challenge, keep the right focus. Let's look at verse number one. Unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. He's given us, the Lord's given, was he given us? All things that we need. He's given you everything you need to succeed as a Christian. He hasn't left anything out, he's given you everything you need. That's why we hear people, I need this and I need that. No, the Lord gave you everything you need. You want things, but he didn't promise to meet all your wants. He promised to meet all your needs. Big difference in the two. We read verse number four. Whereby are given exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. And to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience and to brotherly kindness and godliness and to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off, And hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Look at verse 10. This puts us into, that's why it's so important when you study scripture. Look at the context. We read verse 10 a few minutes ago where, where Peter said, let's read it again. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. If you do what things? The same things that are mentioned in verse number 9, if you lack those things you're not going to be able to see it far off. Verse number 8 says, it talks about these things. What are these things? It says to add to your faith virtue and the virtue knowledge and there's a list of things and sometime, I preached a whole message on it, maybe someday I'll go back and do it, but there's a whole list of things that if we do it will help us in the Christian life. There's also a key to it. If you look There's a specific order to things. Add to your faith virtue. It does not say to add brotherly kindness and love at the beginning. It gives an order. Virtue, what's the next thing there? Knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, then brotherly kindness, then love. The problem is most Christians have no knowledge of anything of God, and they feel we need to love everything and everybody. We should love our neighbor as ourselves, but you gotta understand something. There's an order to how it is. Love is very important. But if you love everything and all things, you miss the order that's listed here. Because love is very important, but it's gotta be in its proper place. Sin cannot be tolerated. Sin and things, you gotta understand there's a proper order to all of it. And we see this final challenge. Hey. If you're going to make it in the Christian life, Peter says, these things are important. Keep the right focus. You go even further from verse 15 through the end of chapter. There look at verse 15 and it says, Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. Man, he keeps mentioning these things, doesn't he? Those were the things he was building upon in those first few verses. Verse 16, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and the coming of, the Lord, of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And Peter was right there when that happened. Think about that. Read on. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto the light that shineth in a dark place. Until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart. Knowing this first that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Think with me here for a second. When you look here, Peter says, I was right there on the Mount of Transfiguration the day that God the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. I'm an eyewitness of what happened. And you have a more sure word of prophecy. The Bible is more sure than my eyewitness account of what took place. And the scriptures didn't come of any private interpretation. You know, it's not like Joseph Smith where he hid behind a little, where he hid behind a, a curtain and literally plagiarized another writing, if we're being honest. That's where the Book of Mormon comes from. No, it's not of any private interpretation. The Holy Ghost gave it. And men were moved by the Holy Ghost and penned those words. And we see how inspiration works with the Bible. But what we see right here is that more Peter saw it with his eyes what the Father said about Jesus. And he's writing and he says, the Bible's even more sure than what I saw. That's an amazing thing. The Bible's an amazing book. The final challenge Keep the right focus. Hey, put these things in order in your life. And how are you going to know? How do you know that you should put these things? How, why should you have faith and virtue and knowledge? How are, how are all those things supposed to work? Because you've been given the word of God. Stay faithful. Stay close to God's word. Stay in God's word with diligence, with focus, with intensity. If you stay in God's word and you focus on these things, you can stay faithful to God till the end. it's an amazing thing and i don't know if this statistic is right i'm just going to throw it out we're told that only 10 percent of men who serve as pastors finish their career as pastors 10 percent. you know the av- average pastor in a church lasts two years an average church two years There are different reasons and things that go on, and I can't say why. Some, God leads them to do something else, whatever the case may be. But if that's true, that only 10% of pastors finish pastoring, then I'm sure we could say the same thing about church members is probably about the same, right? I'm just guessing, right? If it's that number for men who call themselves men of God and that study the Word of God, if that's their level, I would say church members would probably be about the same. I'm just saying we would do what happens is we do well for a while and then we drift away we all do there are times in the Christian life where everything is super exciting and you just want to charge hell with a squirt gun and then there's times where you've got your garden hose and you're just sitting down and you don't want to do anything that's how the Christian life goes But what you got to understand is this tonight. Peter says here hey, don't drift. Stay passionate. Stay holy. Stay in love with God. Live for Him for a lifetime. And his final challenge just begins by keep the right focus. Number two, a final warning. Peter gives a final warning here keep right influences. Keep right influences. It is very important Christian that you guard who speaks into your life especially in the day and age that we live. We very easy we oh this guy says he's a Christian, and I just listen to him. That could mean so many different things. Peter's final warning here, keep the right influences. The teachers you listen to will influence you. The people you listen to do. That's how it works. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. But a companion of fools will be destroyed. Keep right influences. We look at chapter number 2. Look at verse number 1. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. For many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of, and through covetousness shall they with fain words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not, For if God spared not the angels that sinned but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment and spared not the old world but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that should live ungodly, and delivered just lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them, in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh and the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. <laughs> Those are loaded verses right there. Loaded verses. Now let me just help you out for a second. It mentions here that there were angels that were, that are chained in hell. Now, when Satan fell, a bunch of angels fell with him. And there came a point, and I don't have the exact, the Bible doesn't give you the specifics of it. But you look and, the Bible says that every imagination of everyone in the days of Noah was evil, continually. Everyone. That means there's no... That means, you know, we say our world's bad today, I think it's worse than the days of Noah. It's getting there, and we'll be there before long, and that's a sign of the end as well. But the Bible talks about here, the Bible talks about in the book of Jude, and the Bible talks about in the book of Revelation, that there are demons that are tied in the bottomless pit, they are chained in the bottomless pit, waiting to be released on the world. So at some point, they had fallen from heaven, and because of their wickedness and their torment and all that they did, God sent them to the bottomless pit, and that's where they've been. In the book of Revelation, Apollyon is the one that's guarding them there. And you know how the Bible says that in the end days during the tribulation time, there'll be a time where these locusts will come and sting and bite and do all those things. They come out of the bottomless pit. That's those fallen angels right there. And it's not literally speaking about them coming up and pinching you. It's them the dementedness and the demonic forces driving you crazy and tormenting you. That's these angels that's talking about right here. There's a lot to it, but that's as far as I'll go with that tonight. But what we see is you got to understand kids in the room tonight Adults, show me your friends and I'll show you where you're heading. Kids, that's why it's important that you have good friends. Say, all oh, my kids' friends are church friends. Sometimes that's a good thing and sometimes that's not a good thing. You've got to be careful. You know, we got to be honest too. I love the fact, and I think it's great, you know, we think about Eric and Michael witnessing the kids over but with video games nowadays you even got to be careful about what influences what those kids that they're are on with what they're saying to them it's another way to get bad things in your own kids and that's why you got to be very careful and I set very strong limits on our kids and I probably need to check things out a little bit better even with certain things i don't i i wish i go back to the days of atari I would like to be a parent during the days of Atari. That would be easy. You know. That, kids couldn't get in much trouble. It, and it was fun. It was fun stuff. Or when Nintendo first came out. I love Nintendo. It was great. And, uh, but these new games are pretty cool too. We'll just leave it at that. But influences are important. When we think about this, this final thing about keeping right influences, letter A, there is a day of reckoning coming. There's a day of reckoning coming. Say, well, what do you mean? Look at what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. God destroyed that city as an example. And I know people say, well, why did God destroy the city of Sodom? People's first response is it's because that's where Sodomites came from. That's why, no, study the Bible. The pride and arrogance of that city is what drove God to destroy it. They flaunted their sin in the face of God, be it any sin, pride, whatever the case may be. And God had enough. And God used them. I'm glad that, but you look at our country today. If our country keeps going down the road it's going, God's going to have to say he's sorry to Sodom and Gomorrah that he destroyed them and not us. It's getting that bad. But there's a day of reckoning coming. Hey, it happened. Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. Hey, everyone on the earth except for Noah and his family was destroyed. God will deal with these things. Satan was cast out of heaven. These demons were chained in hell and are still chained in hell to this day till their time comes. We look at chapter number 2, look at verse number 13. It says, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the same day. Spots they are in blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings, while they feast with you. Don't make a mistake about it. Sin will be judged. Those who live the way that they want and do those things against God, there's a day coming for them. Hey, just to understand this, don't don't mistake God's delays for him neglecting it. Why hasn't God judged us all? Be not deceived, God's not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Just because, say, well, God needs to judge that, he will. He is the righteous judge. He will judge all things perfectly and because he doesn't do it on our timetable sometimes we look and we're like why are they getting away with that oh go back to psalm 73 read that sometime remember asaph was saying there, man it looks like the wicked are getting away with everything i'm trying to give god my life and i'm getting and my life's awful And look at how well their life is remember at the end of the chapter he said well then i went to the sanctuary and then yeah their day's coming it's coming There's a day of reckoning coming. Don't mistake God's patience for indifference because God is not indifferent. His Son died on the cross and gave everything for sin. Don't mistake His mercy for approval of wickedness because it's not. There will be a day of reckoning coming, letter B. There's a day of regret coming. There's a day of regret coming. Before we go down and get to that point, I want to give you something extra tonight. Go back up to chapter number 2 and look at what the Bible says in verse number 7. Let's think for a second. Let's think about Lot. I don't have very many good thoughts about Lot. Lot never should have been on the trip that he was on with Abraham. Abraham was nice enough to say, Abraham owned all the Abraham had Abraham was the man with all the power. He said, Lot, you choose what you want, and I'll go the opposite way. And Lot saw the well-watered plains of Sodom, and he saw it was good land, and he went that way. He pitched his tent near Sodom. When the angels came, he was a ruler in the city. He didn't want to leave. The two angels were trying to get into his house and men in the city wanted to get to know those angels. He said, I'll give you my two daughters instead. This is Lot. God tells Lot and his family to get out. He gets his wife and his two daughters. His wife turns and turns into a pillar of salt. She's a little salty. And then... His two daughters are with him and they get him drunk and they have children of their father. And two of the biggest pains in Israel's neck were the children that were created and those families out of Lot and his two daughters. I don't have a lot of time of the day for Lot. I really don't. The fact that he'd be willing to give up his own daughters, i just... I don't have the time of day, but look what the Bible says about him. Look what it says. And delivered just Lot. Just Lot. And we're not talking here like just he's the only one, that he was a decent guy, Lot. But look at what was wrong with Lot. He was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. You know he went from being outside the city to being in the city, and look what verse eight says. For that, the Bible calls the Bible calls Lot a righteous man. That's a hard one for me, but the Bible says it, so I believe it. I'm, I'm not going to deny it. For that righteous man dwelling among them, look at what it says in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. That's why, Christian, it's so important who you let influence you. What you watch on television, what you look at on the internet, it is so important because that righteous man vexed his soul day and night By the people and those that he let influence his life. It matters what you do. Lot's life could have been a lot different. But he let that, that's what happened to him. Who you hang around matters. The guys at work that are your buddies, it matters. Those that you text, it matters who you text. It matters who you're close to. And if you don't believe me, look at the Bible says it right there. You need no other example than that. There's a day of reckoning. There's a day of regret. Look at verse number 19. Man, Second Peter. Peter just gives us a ton of great stuff in this passage here. Chapter 2, verse 19 says, While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome... Of the same as he brought in bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. Then after they had known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it is happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit again. And the sow that was washed in her wallowing in the mire. So many people say in Christianity, all you have is rules, 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 rules. I want to be free everyone is a servant to someone who's your master if it's yourself and you're stuck in sin you are in bondage to sin I would much rather be a bond servant of Christ there's freedom there God or self, that's what it comes down to. God's word or the world. No man is an island, no one more miserable than the Christian trying to live in opposition to the word of God. That's what we see right here. The Holy Spirit is in us. When things aren't where, and this is the thing, that's why the Bible talks about the fact in the book of Proverbs Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he'll not depart from it. A lot of people look at that passage, and they'll say that that verse is a promise. It's a proverb. It's not a promise. It's a proverb. That if you train someone in the right way, that eventually they'll probably get back to where they were. It's not a promise. The book of Proverbs is not promises. Study. It's a proverb. It's a wise saying. And so think about this with me. If someone is saved and knows the Lord and they get away from God, they're never going to be satisfied till they get back to God. That's why the proverb like that's true, because you train up a child in the ways of God, when they get away or when they get old, they're going to they're get back to it. That's how it works. We see that before our eyes, and the Holy Spirit's in us. We've tasted of the wonderful words of life and then we reject them, it makes no sense. But there's a day of reckoning coming, a day of regret, and then lastly and thirdly tonight, we see a final hope. A final hope. Keeping the right perspective. We're going to read a few verses here and we'll be done here in just a minute. Look at chapter 3, verse number 1. The second epistle, beloved, I know I now write unto you, in both which I stirred up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts. We keep on reading here, it says and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Hey, where's the Lord at now? Nothing's changed. He said he was going to come. All those who say he was going to come died a long time ago, and a lot of people have died in between. When's he coming? There's going to be those that say that, and there are people that say that today. Look at what it says. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and that the earth standeth out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. Talking about Noah's flood. But the heavens and the earth which are now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. global warming is really going to happen. Let's keep on reading. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is longsuffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. In the which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hasting until the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat." Nevertheless, we, according to this promise, look for new heavens and new earth, wherein dwell righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent, that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Then skip down to verse number 17. Ye, therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness it started out with hey if you do these things you're not going to fall closes out by saying don't forget those things so that you don't fall that's his reminder throughout the book the final hope a right perspective what is the right perspective on life life is short life is not very long and someday the lord is coming The reason he hasn't come yet is because the Lord is long-suffering and waiting for someone else to get saved. If that one person he's waiting for to get saved was your grandma or your child, I think you would want him to wait. He will come at the perfect time. The day of the Lord. The day of the Lord refers to the two events of the rapture and his second coming. The day of the Lord will come. And when it does... he'll he'll come as a thief in the night no one will be ready for it it will happen but the lord is just waiting a little bit longer man what a great little book a final challenge hey christian just keep the right focus focus on these things a uh final warning be careful who influences you lot didn't let the right influences influence him and then, hey, a final hope. Just keep the right perspective. Keep your eyes on the Lord and do the things that I've told you to do so that you stay faithful till the end. That's what the book's all about. Father.